0: Welcome back to our new episode of Trauma Drama in Life. Uh, my name is Ben Taylor,
1: and I'm Kayla Taylor.
0: So we're excited to be here just to talk with you guys again. So we've had a couple people that have either emailed in, you know, different questions or responses, or have commented on a couple different posts, just asking thoughts, opinions, and and sharing stuff about. Our lives. So, if you want to be able to interact and be able to, you know, send us some questions or some things you'd like to hear on the podcast, feel free to email us. Uh, you can go to rawmotivations.com. There's a contact form there, or you can click on um, just do ben at rawmotivations.com just to give us some ideas. And as far as we're here to try to be able to um, share a snapshot into our lives, into our lives of what's transpired over the past several years and kind of where we are now and what that looks like. Yep. So. Uh, a lot of people have been asking in in social media and different things about love, and then particularly like how can I love you know my wife because as being a narcissist I'm incapable of love and like what does that actually look like now um, now that I'm you know putting out there who I am kind of what's going on um, I had someone I had someone just the other day that like commented be like you know I hope that um, what was it it was I hope that she leaves you and finds someone who will really love her. That was the that was the comment. And so, you know, hearing different things like that, it's interesting, you know, not just from my perspective of like what I'm thinking about it, but also then to get like even your take of like, what does that sound like to you? Or what's what resonates with that? You know, when people make comments like that?
1: Yeah, I think it's hard because now seeing the change and how he does show that he loves me now, it's kind of hard to hear those comments. Like I 100% would agree with them if they would have said that, like, a year and a half to two years ago, obviously, like Mm -hmm. that makes a thousand percent difference is because you've changed and you've done like a complete 180. Um, but it goes back to people often, I think everybody has their own definition of love. Like Mm -hmm. some people base it off of feelings and if you're basing it off of feelings, then I don't think that you're ever going to truly find love. And I think that that's kind of how you were basing love off of for several years is off that feeling and that high of like Mm -hmm. this is what I need to achieve is that high and that feeling like all the time and that's why you would go from like person to person to person to person to person person and
0: I think there's definitely an aspect of like I viewed I viewed love as like a high. I viewed it as being, you know, I viewed it as being like someone or or anyone in one sense having that type of affection towards me, but not mm-hmm. necessarily that it was towards other people. Mm-hmm. Like there would be aspects of, you know, love bombing or, you know, wooing a person kind of a thing, but there wasn't there wasn't like an aspect of let me invest in this person or let me, you know, show up for this person and it be loving for that person. It was more or less getting love from that person. Yeah. It was more, more, I wanted the high of someone loving, adoring me Mm -hmm. of, you know, it being all about me, you know, that aspect versus there being a two way street of love going back and forth. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it goes back to, basing it off of, like, the love that you had for me at the time was pretty much non-existent, but the times that it, quote-unquote, I would have thought that it was existent, it was more conditional. Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: you know, if I was acting a certain way, or if I was not confronting you about things, or if I was trying to do X, Y, and Z to make you happy, then, like, it would give you that short high of, like, But I was getting
0: something out of
1: it. Right. And so, but if I went back to like, if I needed something or if I needed whatever, like it was like, it wasn't like that unconditional love. It was like, okay, it's conditional. So I'm now going to remove myself from the situation. Like,
0: well, at that point, and
1: shun you essentially.
0: At that point, you weren't being loving to me because you're inconveniencing me.
1: Right. And so, it not that. That's in your words, I wasn't right. purposely inconveniencing you. Let's clear it no, out yeah but like... no, I mean, it, was, it was
0: from my perspective right. like, like how how dare you get sick and mess up my life? Did
1: mm-hmm. you expect me to have empathy for you while you're sick, what?
0: Right? <laughs> well I mean empathy, that's a whole nother, whole nother topic. but I mean that's a huge aspect of the love was more of a high and more mm-hmm. of what I wanted from another person, not necessarily something that I would give. I mean, in the relationship, especially like early on, that was something that you felt love for me because I think that's a lot of times what people get confused about is they're like, wait, is the love real or not? And they're wondering, you know, the relationship that I just got out of, was any of it real? And I think it's important to show that it's it's real for the person, like it's real for you. Mm-hmm. Like you had real love towards me, but I wasn't demonstrating any love towards you. I was just grabbing up all the love and being like thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You know, like Like, it wasn't, yeah, yeah, it wasn't me showing it.
1: Correct. So I think that that goes back to at the time, like he wasn't showing love like the last several years and it wasn't up until really like he started making those changes and investing,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, into changing and then also in return investing into me. Um, and I think that we've touched on it in a, in one of our previous podcasts of like, I was taken aback by it because I was like, like, what is happening? Like, this has never been who he was. And so I was like, is this just kind of a tactic to get me back? But like, he never had done that the whole time that we were separated really until the end when like, he really did like ask me to come back and like try to make this work and so i was like is this like some type of like thing to get me back
0: right was it like another like hoover another way to be able to trap you correct whenever you left were you thinking and kind of like wondering through like was any of it real at that point or did you feel like that betrayal as far as the love aspects i know You'd already known about the affairs at that point for a little while, and then, like, you left when I was in therapy, so it wasn't Mm -hmm. like you left because I wasn't doing, quote-unquote, the work. It just wasn't actually changing.
1: Right. I think that there was at times that I did question if it was real or not, but at the same time in those moments it felt real to me and whether or not it was not real for you i couldn't sit there and dwell on that because then that's obviously going to eat away at you even like eat away at somebody even more Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it goes back to the book that i read by lisa turkster um forgiving what you can't forget and there's a section that goes and then she talks about how she would question like if the memories that she had um with her now ex-husband um, if they were real or not. And she had to put in her mind of like in that specific moment, whether or not he showed her true love or whatever it was, those moments are still real for her and she enjoyed those specific moments. And I think that that helped me have some healing of like, I can't sit here and I can't analyze the entire relationship or it's going to eat me, eat away at me at the core. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a point, a pivotal point to where you pick yourself up off the floor and you start healing for yourself because you can't live in a place of being entrapped in your thoughts and your mind of the what-ifs or the analyzing and everything else. And I'm a very analytical person and I am a very logical person. So I analyze a lot of things, but I knew that in that moment I just had to take and say, I know at least for the past two years, a hundred percent that he has not loved me the way that he should. That is what I know. There have been moments that I have quote unquote, maybe felt love and whether it was in my delusion or whatever, I'm not going to analyze those moments. I'm just going to take it and I'm going to start my healing. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Like really just, I mean, that's a big aspect that we try to promote on the platform and also in like the coaching that I do is telling people about like getting back to the truth of like understanding like the truth of the situation is at the end of the day, um, it what matters is that demonstration of love or that demonstration of what the person is doing. And so even we walk through. When we walk through that process of trying to help people like rewire their mindset, it goes into depth of like the truth of the situation of like, how do they actually demonstrate it? Because if it's not real, like if it's not being shown on a consistent, on a day-to-day basis, then it's not real. And a lot of times people want to latch on to just those positive moments or those little moments and think of that. And I think as you were talking, I was thinking of like the idea when when people start analyzing, okay, did he love me? Did she love me? Like, how does it actually work like that? I think there's a huge part that is harmful for them when they do that because they normally ascribe their worth based on if the other person loves them, mm-hmm. right?
1: And I I think that it goes back to um, based off of the society that we're in today of like social media and mm-hmm. getting all kinds of likes or comments or whatever on a post or whatever it may be and then you associate those people liking your comment off of your worth and so it's like validating yes and so Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with like basing one person if they loved you or not off of your worth or your value or whatever Mm -hmm. and again we can sit there and we can analyze that if we want and we're going to stay in a place of not healing ourselves and not being able to move on and just in this like place of like bitterness and dwelling and whatever it may be.
0: Yeah. And I think that's huge because so many times people uh, put their worth based on what another person thinks or what another person says, or if another person validates them. And as a result, I think that's why a lot of people stay in toxic relations longer and why they struggle to get out Physically, mentally, and emotionally, because they're still attributing their value and their worth as being determined by another person.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's like almost the concept of, well, if I just do X, Y, and Z, he's going to like me more or love me more or her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case, like, because in one sense their love is conditional, or if they don't have anybody else and they're off over here, and they're not getting the attention, but you're giving the attention, then that's when they're going to come back, and you're going to think that, oh, they love me again, when really they're just waiting for that next high, or that next person to come along, and validate them even more than you are, and then they're going to be swooped away by them, and do mm-hmm. that, yeah.
0: When did you feel like it changed for you, as far as, like, you're worth not being defined by how much I loved or didn't love you?
1: Um... I would say it changed really when we separated because I think up until up until we separated I struggled immensely with um just like all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think also like diving more into like my faith and like God and just realizing that my worth doesn't come from a person. Like my worth does not my worth cannot be set in a person because people are always going to disappoint us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my worth is ultimately found in Christ. And so just really diving and taking the blinders off and realizing that my worth is, it can't be based in a person because people will fail you every single day. It doesn't matter if you're in a healthy relationship or not, that person's still going to fail you. And especially when you're in a toxic relationship, that person fails you like a thousand times, like over and over and over by doing harmful things like mentally to you because they're saying that they love you but they're doing the complete opposite and so you're like kind of like distorted disoriented of like what is love what Mm -hmm. like what is my worth what is this what is this
0: right do you feel like you had those thoughts in the relationship before you left but they just weren't like prevalent or not able to like really dive into them until you got away
1: yeah i think that it just goes back to the trauma bond like Mm -hmm. because i think often it just when you have that trauma bond it's so it can be so detrimental um that you have such intense blinders on and you're just willing to do sacrifice like your mental health your physical health your whatever your well-being for another person and that's not how it should be
0: right yeah and I think like it's important to acknowledge that it wasn't just time away and it wasn't just like distance away but it was also you focusing on you like you focusing Mm -hmm. on like where who you were like where your worth came from like how that actually is defined versus it being on anyone else because there's a lot of people that get away Mm -hmm. and in with the people that i talked on a day-to-day basis like a lot of times i'll say it could be two weeks two months two years 20 years and i talked to people on all those different ranges and they could have been away for that long but they're still like mentally trapped they still haven't mm-hmm. mentally broken free of the prison that the narcissist constructed. But then I also think a lot of times the survivors construct around themselves of, like, self-limiting thoughts and self-limiting beliefs that have been impressed upon them. So, I mean, I guess it'd almost be like, a, I don't know, it'd almost be like a, a a mold that's hollow. In one sense, the narcissist kind of, like, presses on, on the other person of, like, you will be in this image, you will be this way. And then they take it off and it's kind of like there. And it might be like paper thin, but like the other person doesn't know or hasn't passed those self-limiting thoughts to actually break out of that and realize like the weight is actually not there anymore. Because even when they're when they're free, mentally and emotionally, it might still feel like that weight is still on them, right?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think that it goes back to, in one sense, you have to find some type of closure, whether you make that up in your head. Or you, like, um, are you just come up with some type of different scenario, and you just keep telling your story? Because you're not going
0: to get it from the narcissist, right?
1: Because you're not going to get it from the
0: narcissist. I didn't and... give you closure, did I? No. <laughs> what, what did I give you? Nothing. It's <laughs> trauma, All right?
1: Like there wasn't any. Like whenever I left, it wasn't like a, oh, I'm sorry that I did this to you. Like there was. It was, was just was kind a, of like. Okay, well, this is what you're doing. So, okay, see you later. Um,
0: so, you, you like kind moves, of just, right?
1: yeah. So, you kind of have to, in one sense, like, it this sounds weird, but rewrite your own history, like, in that little blip of time just to get closure. Like, mm-hmm. That's the only time that I'd probably ever say, like, rewrite some type of history.
0: Because well, we talk about a lot EMDR, of times like, re... I, I use the phrase, like, rewiring, rewiring a lot of Because yes. it's the easiest to kind of say, like, we're rewiring back to the truth of how they demonstrated versus, like, changing it to a false reality. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's this type of therapy called EMDR therapy. It's like eye movement. And it actually helps you process, like, a lot of trauma. And some things, if you can't get past, like, processing major trauma... They will actually rewire your brain to believe a different story than what it is. Um, and so, if that's if that's what you have to do in order to literally get out of the place that you were in where you, that mind block, then do it. It's not like you're rewiring the entire, like, your relationship with this person. You're just getting yourself closure because sometimes people just need that closure just to be able to move on. And you're obviously not going to get it from that toxic person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think uh, a lot of times, like, I'll, I'll talk to people how, like, they're not going to get closure from the arses, but it comes from them. Mm-hmm. Like, it comes from them acknowledging, like, what happened in the relationship, acknowledging how that person showed up, you know, because that's a, I think that's a huge aspect. Like, we, before the podcast, we were just curious and we were like, what is the definition of love according to just, like, dictionary? So we just Googled it just to see. And what it popped up with was an intense feeling of deep affection. And then, or a great interest and in pleasure in something. It's like super, like it tells you a lot there, right? Like uh, it's said, the example is babies fill parents with feelings of love. So like just random, like fleeting feelings. And I think that's what a lot of people focus on is like yeah. the, the high, the, the, the butterflies. And then like when I didn't have the butterflies, I was just like, obviously it's not me because I'm perfect. So it must be your fault. Right. right.
1: But if you're a parent. If you're a parent, you know that you're not gonna have those like newly love butterfly feelings for your child. That doesn't mean that you don't love them. Like, cause I love my kid more than. But anything. you don't always
0: have butterflies for them. But it's not or like I me all the time. Right,
1: like it's not like I have that feeling of like, you know, the intense like feeling of butterflies or whatever. It's it like when Sophia's
0: screaming at you or like drawing on the wall, it's like. <laughs> oh, these, like, intense, deep feelings that I have affection for you, like... Right. Yeah, I mean, and everybody goes through that, and I think people get stuck with the idea of, like, wait a second, there's a narcissist that says that he's still with his wife and loves his wife, like, you can't have feelings, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of things that attribute to, like, divorce rates, but I do think a lot of the divorce rates are high because people base their love off of feelings versus trying to work through and make connections or whatever that's like a side note but it goes back to well do you actually love me then
0: right and for for me one of the things that i know i've put online and tried to explain to different people is not the the fluttery butterfly feelings that like come and go Mm -hmm. but the actual demonstration of what i do on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. and it's hard because then i say that and then people are like oh, well, you're just doing it like for her. You're just doing it because of her and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, I'm still not because with the growth that I'm on and the direction I'm going is going to continue whether you're in my life or not. And mm-hmm. so it's just like thinking through how do I need to demonstrate that love towards you is also part of like my healing process of this is what I'm going to do on a day to day basis that I know is not toxic to everybody. And you also reap the benefits of that as far as me not being Mm -hmm. toxic and not being, you know, condescending and rude and all that kind of stuff to you on a day to day basis.
1: Correct. It's not it goes back to I know like your your love for your spouse or your person that you're in a relationship with is completely different than like your kids but it also is like you show up how do you love your child you love them by um you know doing things with them you love them by providing for them like cooking meals for them spending time with them things like that so that also all encompasses like love and so it goes back to that's ways that he shows me love like yeah and not just like
0: the physical or emotional aspect or mental aspect but also like like for the kids like creating a safe place like I got to create a safe place like mentally emotionally physically for you in Mm -hmm. order for there to be a connection formed or for there to be right love in between us in that Mm -hmm. aspect
1: yeah because if you obviously come to the table and you don't have that safe environment for somebody then you're not going to communicate well and your communication is going to dwindle and in return your relationship is going to dwindle and then it's just going to become this, like, huge toxic, like, mm-hmm. oozing thing.
0: What would you say to, like, all the people out there that are listening to our podcast or watching my videos and, and seeing the aspect of, like, well, he's still married or, you know, they made love work. How does how does that work for me? Or maybe I can have that aspect of my relationship with, you know, the toxic or the narcissistic person that's been in their life.
1: Mm-hmm. It goes back to just, if that's something that you want to stay in, if you want to stay in, I caution you that it, 99% of the times it's not, they're not going to change unless they actually truly want to get help and to change themselves. So I think that within doing this, like I don't ever want to give somebody like false hope or false sense of whatever it may be um because I think our situation is definitely different and yeah
0: yeah yeah I mean I think one of the big things is making sure that the other person's actually demonstrating it that they're actually not just saying it because like mm-hmm. I said it I said it a lot but I didn't match up with it by right. how I treated you and by how I cheated and like many things like that like I said I said the words I said the right words mm-hmm. it just wasn't followed through with like the actions
1: mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to it was either our first podcast or this past podcast that I talked about how whenever I came back I took it like a month at a time and it wasn't that wasn't like a funny haha thing I know it it is comical when you think about it but I did because I had already knew the patterns of he said that he was going to change, and then he would change for, like, a week or two weeks or whatever, and then go back to whatever. And so I came in very guarded, and so he had to work hard at creating a loving, safe space for me to be open and for me to feel comfortable. hmm saying things and if i'm being a thousand percent honest i don't think it it wasn't up until really like over the summer that we could have like we could go into a conversation without without me having like some type of like anxiety or like feelings that you were gonna come back at me for Mm -hmm. me saying something
0: there's like a lot of trust that had to be built up and a lot of right work on both our parts and and still like the journey is still like messy like it's not like we have it perfect you know i mean even even the other day when we got into like frustrating times together like trying to express our own vulnerabilities and our own emotions in the moment was like super hard Mm -hmm. and then it's also super hard because we'll lay those out there and then you know it's like triggering both people at the same time based on previous experiences perceptions and trauma Mm -hmm. So there's like a big aspect of that. Yeah. Um, I had, I had someone that asked on one of the, one of the questions that asked like the idea of, um, is it worth it on long lines of being always like constantly on guard? Like how do you reconcile like that idea of, of basically the feeling of being constantly on guard about me or how do you, how do you process that? Think of that? How does that correlate to, you know, coming back, that month but then you know now we're past being like a month back how, how does how does that being on guard aspect feel or interact with on like a day-to-day basis
1: i think honestly at this point i'm not as on guard as i was just because there's we're almost a year out at this point and there's been trust that has been built um but coming back and when I was more um, on guard, I don't think that it necessarily was like an issue at the time, just because I had grown and I had healed so much like over the time that we were apart
0: mm-hmm.
1: that it didn't, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, okay, if this works, that's great. If it doesn't, that's great too. Like, that's kind of like the peace and the mindset that I was in. So it's like, what is one month, two months, or three months gonna hurt if I have to come back and I would have to pack my stuff up anyways in order to physically like hundred percent move? What is those couple months gonna like make a difference in a blip of time or my healing because it's not because I've already, it's not gonna really do much because I've already made it this far in my healing process and just if he lets me down again, I have this much healing already under my belt. I think
0: you're also more like resolute of you know, if he does this then I'm out anyways. Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know if it was necessarily a disconnect, like were you disconnected from that or like emotionally like disconnected from it or something, but like the healing process to a point of like I wasn't defining you. So then if I still continued those behaviors, then there wasn't an aspect of feeling stuck, I don't think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't. And I think that I mean, obviously I still have those boundaries and I still have those um things of if he does x y and z or whatever it may be that um Mm -hmm. i would still up and leave like it would be obviously a little bit harder now because like we have had all of this healing and stuff and it would suck but i've still i'm still i've still healed immensely from the things that um i faced when he was like not self-aware narcissist And so I still owe that to like myself and my Mm. daughter and future kids or whatever.
0: Yeah. And that's future stuff. We can talk on podcasts as far as boundaries and and things 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 like like that too. But anyways, if you guys liked the episode, um, please like rate and review it, Uh, share it with some people, just kind of spread the news. We're trying to help spread the news about narcissism, but also just a glimpse into our lives how we process it. If you have uh, specific questions, feel free to send them to us at rawmotivations.com. You can click um, just to contact and send an email. You can do Ben at rawmotivations.com and send that email just to be able to give us either ideas or questions or thoughts that you'd want to hear us discuss or go over while we're doing the podcast. So thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again next week.
1: See you next week.